Good morning and a happy Tuesday to you folks. It is a gorgeous day today, a beautiful day today, and it is a day for me. I am going to start embracing the little things in life. How often do we say it's the little things in life that matter? Well, this is a great day to start appreciating every good thing in life and recognize that there is nothing too small for me to be thankful for. Even something as simple as your food delivery order had plates and silverware. The gas station had towels and water for the window wash area. And the pizza place down the street still has the sit-down Ms. Pac-Man machine. All right, now that's a big thing, but you get the point, folks. Now let's get this Tuesday started because it is a gorgeous Tuesday, folks. Hiya! It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Tuesday to you folks coming to you live from the road here today. No morning show partner today as I'm all by myself. Still traveling, making my way back to the Bakken, North Dakota, if you will. Rocky Mountain region. Look at us just getting more existential here by the moment. Because we are existential energy here at the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. we got a fabulous show in store for you today. More interviews from the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off. We've got a couple lined up for you today. And then in the second half, we're going to talk a little bit about salt water spills. Reporter for the Dickinson Press is going to join us in the second half on a story he went to where there's a gentleman going around the Bakken at Dickinson University, Dickinson State University, and gave a presentation to the kids about how oil and gas companies are spilling salt water into the soil and not recording it, and the state needs to get a better handle on it, something along those lines. So we brought him in to find out a little bit more about that specific issue and why this gentleman is going around the state. Coming up in the work hard portion of the program, but first, let's get Sean Forbes in here from OG Directory and Team Forbes. Let's get down to the Permian Basin in Midland, Texas. Actually, excuse me, in Odessa, Texas. I always say Midland, Odessa. Sometimes I speak before I think. That is when I get in trouble. That I've learned in my life. Oh, yeah. Not going to make that mistake again this week. Okay, folks, let's hand it off to Sean Forbes, Jason Spies, the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off. But first, got to take a brief pause when we come back. Some more reindeer games right here. Oh, March Madness, too. By the way, folks, March Madness coming up. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.
life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Blackwater Environmental. is a family-owned company with over 10 years of on-site industrial experience. Offering inspections, consulting, coding failure analysis, specification writing and coding application services, along with many other services for energy, oil, gas, and municipalities. Blackwater Environmental was started in Moorcraft, Wyoming, but has grown to a larger facility in Gillette, Wyoming, where they provide a better quality of service for their customers. For more information on Blackwater Environmental, check out their website, blackwaterenviro.com. That's blackwaterenviro.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise... To the molecule, their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Show. Uh, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. We are now talking to... Thank you to for having me today. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Appreciate your involvement in this uh, amazing uh, Permian Basin Association uh, Pipeliners annual cook-off. There have been amazing barbecue here today. It's been sunny. I've got a, a sunburn and... Like vitamin D, as we like to call it. And speaking <laughs> no, Rick, of it's here. And speaking of D, we have D here yes, from oh. Alpha Industrial. Shame on me for ruining that transition. <laughs> well, you had that segue. one like, planned and everything. Segue. <laughs> How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good. I think I think you've been my favorite person here today. It's because you put a sticker on the back of my calf. Well, because you had you wore shorts today, and it's the beginning of March. <laughs> Um, and it's supposed to be spring, you know, well, like maybe late winter. Five years in North Dakota, so this really doesn't oh, bother me. Oh, so you me. feel like this is, this is summertime <laughs> yeah. weather to you? I did put a pretty shirt on, though. I feel we should specify you the did. shorts because they're like basketball shorts. Well, you know, they're Aeropostale, Aeropostale, so it's like a teenage, teenage brand shorts, and, and he's and pulling it off. shirt. Well, I look like I'm 12 anyway. With a hat so. on. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, you got all you kinds of You do enough of these events. 
I mean, a year with I've been with the pipeliners for three years, and uh, I just show up, and they're just like, oh, D, do this, D, do that, do this. So I like I quit dressing up. I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> D, what's the name of your company? I'm sorry, I missed that. Alpha Industrial. Alpha Industrial. Yes, sir. And what does that do? We uh, specialize in fabrication. Okay. Uh, so anywhere from welding stainless steel to cattle guards, and then you know we we have a uh, side hot shot. And then we've like been field, field fabrication, like yes, mechanical ma'am. construction. Yes, ma'am. We'll send our do welders out. Do you do skids? Out. Do you guys yes, ma'am. do skids? What kind of skids? Uh, just depending. Like we're doing compressors right now for Chevron. Okay. We just signed with them. Uh, put, oh, of course, the wind's got to blow. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we uh, we kind of just do a number of things, but. My, my, like I said, mostly fabrication. On, you, you said saltwater disposal facilities. Yes, ma'am. We all do the mechanical construction, yes, welding ma'am. for that, those yes, types ma'am. of things. And what basin are you guys focused in? Uh, they're based out here in the Permian, uh, but like Eagle Fort a little bit, not so much. Uh, this this last year's really uh, took a toll on everybody, I believe. I, did you catch one in the face? I think something just slapped me in my chest. Okay. Like the wind's blowing. Sorry, that was me. Oh. oh, whoops. Might have been one of them stickers that you stuck on the back of my leg. It is one of my stickers. And a, some other koozie that's not important it's right now. Karma. It's fine. Karma. <laughs> so, where are you from? I'm actually from Henrietta, Texas. Henrietta, Texas. Next what to brought Wish- you to North Dakota? When you were up in North Dakota. Uh, well, I was actually I got back from Nigeria, Africa. Okay, and, and let's let's do what? what were you doing okay. there? I was testing Bonnie Lai crude oil. So you you graduated high school, then what? Let's start there. Yeah, uh, went to Tech. Okay, Texas Tech. There. Yes, sir. Red Raider. Oh, uh, Red oh, Raider. Yes, good. sorry. I, apparently, my mouth wasn't close enough to the mic. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I went, I went to Tech and then uh, went to EMT firefighter school and decided that was not going to pay the bills. You so, know, can, can I say something real quick? You know, you see this blanket I have here? Yes, sir. This was given to me by firefighters because we're big advocates for firefighters because absolutely 85% are volunteer. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it might even be 90%. But I keep I mean, not to get political, but I'm going to. I can't believe we send as much money as we do overseas when we've got 85% of our firefighters on volunteer. And most of them are are filing for grants to Totally. Just to get get trucks. And if you take away the oil and gas industry, there goes about 50% of your volunteer firefighters funds, if not 90%. Yes, sir. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, sorry, I'm a big advocate for firefighters. Me too. I mean, there. I had my EMT license. I got my fire certification. EMT, same station. thing. Yep. Yeah. Emergency responders is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I appreciate. Uh, okay, so you found out there's no bills in emergency yeah, responders. Yeah. Okay. When I when I, uh, <laughs> when I got my EMT basic and was going for my intermediate and was looking at getting my paramedic, I was like, they make ten dollars an hour. All right, no money helping people. What do we got next? <laughs> uh, what's next in the field? And I had a cousin who. Uh, Let's just say he wasn't the smartest. He uh, he went to work on a drilling rig and he was making eighty grand a year. So I was like, smart well, as a fox sounds. The there's, something that, there's something to that. Right? Someone started uh, working on a, a Kelly rig, a Swanson rig, 1974 Swanson uh, Kelly rig, throwing chain. Wow. Yeah, Slinging chains. For, yeah. Boy, you're old school. Oh so you're, yeah. So you're, a field, you're a field guy. I was. Was not no hey, more. I would so, I would claim that still. Like I'm a field guy. Oh, don't therefore, think I won't jump on I the know. Rig in, in a heartbeat. I'll th- I'll throw slips. I'll throw tongues in a heartbeat. Yeah, but, but I I love I love people <laughs> that I love people that worked in the field and then transitioned to either a selling opportunity or a project management. 
yes, position sir. where not only are they kind of managing the project, but they know how the project should be run. Yes, ma'am. And built. So yeah, I appreciate well, that. That's kind of yeah. one of my theories is, is uh, since I've kind of taken over as a uh, business development manager, uh, I won't ask one of my guys to do something that I ain't done 15 times plus. That's uh, it's just my rule of thumb. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from the loader, putting it on a trailer, hauling something. You know, I had a Class A CDL, hazmat, triples, doubles. I did all that. I skated on ice up in North Dakota forever with a winch truck. I've worked on drilling rigs. Every frack you can think of from here to Colorado to Texas. So it's, it's I don't know, it's it's a rough game and it's, it's a rough life. I wouldn't encourage it for most people. But, you know, it's... Hey, it takes a certain person to do this job and not everyone so, can do an oil and gas job yeah. you know people think oh big money big oil and well, gas I mean, money but is, there's but a lot it's of up and down I it's mean, up and down it's volatile there's a lot of risk associated with the things that we do it's very dangerous it's high stake and it, it is and i mean I've, I've lost a lot uh you know friends uh we got a divorce uh but i mean me and my ex-wife are still best friends uh, but it just, just takes does, a toll on you personally, yeah, the job. You know, didn't like the fact that I was gone three, four months. You know, didn't know when I was coming back. Everybody was going to come back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that old side. There's sacrifice yeah, associated with every, this job, I mean, too. You know, I mean, you never know when you're on these roads, man. It's from New Mexico to here to Williston, North Dakota to Denver, Colorado. You mentioned you lived in Watford City, and that was during the that was b- before the bypass years, oh, before the yeah, you know the yeah, traffic, the bad yeah. traffic years is what I'm the getting whole at. One lane all the way yeah. to Williston, North Dakota, that took three hours to take a frack tank. White knuckle driving <laughs> yeah. the whole time. This is no no shit. Okay, when I first went out to the Bakken, I went out with the owners of Max Hardware. Remember Max Hardware? Yes, sir. So it was the owners, and they wanted to get a, a bird's eye view too before they re- reinvested out there and everything. So we went out there, and on Highway 22, okay, okay right outside of Dickinson, North Dakota, yes, which sir. is right off. The, that's not even the busy part. Which isn't it crazy how the hour changes when you hit Dickinson? Yeah, it's. That, weird. In fact, so there, there's a gal who lost her election because she endorsed. The time change and oh, really? it backfired on her. It's like the most <laughs> ridiculous local election <laughs> politics ever. Yeah. So we got out there, and this was you know back when you know five thousand cars were driving by every ten minutes type thing, and was, that was a real number. Uh, yeah, no, no, it really was. And we made it seven miles. We barely—I don't even know if we got to the Dunn County line. Okay. Uh-huh. We made it seven miles from Max Hardware in Dickinson, North Dakota, on Highway 22, and we looked at each other and we went. Let's turn around. This is not safe. I mean, we're here, like, looking at animals at the zoo. We have no business being here, you know. And so for our safety, we actually turned back and drove back to Dickinson because we got the picture. There's way more than what, you know. And so down here, there's a lot of that still down here. There's a lot of still because the activity is so high and things. And you go to, you know, Highway 75 from Kansas. Holy crap, man. A lot of semis, which is a good sign. But at the same time, it's sketchy. You got to know how to drive. I've, I've driven them all. So I, I do want to ask you though. You mentioned slinging chains, and one of the articles that we did probably year two or three was the transition away from the guys slinging chains into more of the modern, you know, uh, well, so when technology. You're a, when you're making a connection, uh, you know, you, you would slap a chain, sling a chain. Um, Talking your, about drill pipe. Yes. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, your older rigs, that's that's how you'd make your connection. Yep. You know, uh, when you'd Kelly up, come in, slap your chain, pull, tongs hit. Right. Uh, but now all your top drives of, uh, hell, everything's about hydraulic now. So most, most of the guys, okay, so I, <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. And so I, I made Motorman, and I went to go make Derek's, and that's, you know, the dude that's up there. That's 150 up, feet up, changing the yeah, well, the, uh, 50 feet up or it's whatever. It's a very small platform, let's yeah, just and say. You're, and you're taking that pipe, and you're throwing them in the fingers. Right. I made it all in, of In seven-mile-an-hour wind in North seconds. Dakota. And it's cold yeah. and dangerous. So right? I come back down on the, you got a little guided wire behind you. I made it back down, and the driller goes, D, what are you doing? Uh, I, I, my knees are knocking. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. And he goes, "Well, you have to work Derek's before you can become a driller." I said, well, "It looks like I need to find a new job." <laughs> <laughs> so I went into fracking. <laughs> well, what I found was that when I got into publishing, for example, that's what I came from. Yes, sir. We first I learned on light tables. Okay, like I, the very last year and a half to two years. They were just getting out of like laying out magazines on light tables. Okay. Mm-hmm to go to actual computer software because still some of the printing presses were a little bit old school and th- yeah go ahead yeah no i mean i know the print process so you, you don't do talk the light about tables it. the layout the setup so, then you do the plates right you do right? plates and things and like the plate that goes it, on the print press dude, this was a process yeah and what happened is is when you ushered in the technology it streamlined it opened up all this time but i was so appreciative that i understood the basics it helped me understand the new technology better than anybody that came in without having that couple years of the old school mentality. Did that happen with you at all with the slinging chains or is the technology so different that... No, because you knew the manual process. So when it became automated, are you, are you like, hey, like when guys you, you that are doing the, like the automation process, like this is how we did it back in the day. When, when you we did talk it. to the older generation, like some of your older company men... I, you won't hear me talk, and I'm a chatty Kathy. I'll just sit and listen to their stories. But everything, these H&P walking rigs, uh, I mean, it's it's changed so much that nobody really knows. I mean, I've got a flowback company to, like, to even to plumb bob a tank. Like, he has no idea to do how to actually take a physical plumb bob and check the oil and water out of a tank battery. Because it's all done digitally on a computer screen form. He just knows how to check the monitor. All he knows but if how the do system, the but if the system shut down and you had to do it manually, then he calls my fat butt to come out there and help him out. <laughs> right. I've, I've actually wondered so that about like doctors. Yeah. They do so much robotic surgery. Can they even do a surgery now? Right. <laughs> no offense, to the doctors is just the way the bottom well, day is. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, it's it's like anything. Like Tristy Water, it's going to take the least of. Uh, resistance you know like that's where everybody goes you know like it's easier to do it this way than that mm-hmm. way but i mean that's that's how i started out um i found it gave me a leg up because the the newer generation had no idea how the basic core or the basic building blocks worked whereas for me that's what i learned so right it was just so natural well they're still figuring it out i'm already there yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I get that and then the thing is too it's like you know, I was born in 84. I, I learned all this back in 06, 07. I don't know what they did before then. I just know what I was taught. Yeah. You know, so that there might be some other new or not old age that's, you know, different than I know. No, it's all valuable knowledge, though. I mean, we can't lose sight of what 
people have learned over the years, even though, you know, technology has evolved and we have new ways to do things like that old school mentality. I feel like somehow they need to bottle that and put that into a, a technology and software, but you just can't. Yeah. It's just knowledge and know-how. I have this weird personality where when I go eat at a restaurant, I just try to figure out how to make the meal as I'm eating it. And I just wonder how much of that is just if there's anybody like that anymore. You know what I mean? Because there's another there's another well, dog out here and oh Frackleberry no, Hound is getting all excited. I, oh, <laughs> I will tell you this, though. It's we're, we're getting into uh, we're getting close to the factor where the old generation is about to wash out. <laughs> Uh, not wash out, but it's John, just... John, take over. <laughs> they, uh, a lot of the elder generation that I've worked with for the past decade, they're they're about to cash out. Like, they're... And, and I hate it. No, they... Because you've got these... Yeah, because they're going to... No, they're going to bring in some 20-something-year-olds and pay them, you know, a fraction of the cost of these old-timers, but... You're losing the value yeah. of these old timers and their knowledge, and it's it's a sad thing, especially in the pandemic, where you know a lot of companies unfortunately have had to lay a lot of people off. Yeah. And now you know there's a huge um, amount of people that are looking for jobs, and so companies are taking advantage of that, and now they're they want to lowball people and bring them in at a lower rate, but they're not going to be satisfied with their job and they're just losing out on the only thing that scares me is so i've i've taken guys out in the field i've trained i've helped out i have every certification you can think of as safety wise with ocean so there's things that like i pick up on that i see and they're just bliss too like if that monitor doesn't tell them you're talking about younger folks yeah, yeah, coming younger in people that come into the yeah. field that are like well it didn't say not, there that, was not a that there's not a market like, for younger you didn't people hear it yeah you didn't hear that gas leak well my monitor didn't go off screw your monitor dude like you did not hear that and you're over there playing on your cell phone there's an aware- awareness away. awareness can i yeah. can, can i interrupt because i'm not sure how we got into this conversation yeah. because <laughs> frackleberry hound's busy with a climate activist but i <laughs> I, I really enjoy this conversation because there's a real lack of accountability coming in where people are expecting the computer or the government or some just omnipotent form of authority to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And this whole just common sense, let's just call it that. I was going to say lack of common sense. It's just gone. Because y- your example is right. Like, well, if this thing tells me if the computer says it's not a leak well then it's not a leak well, well can you see message. it coming out in front of you yeah did you not hear it because i right. saw it in your snapchat buddy right yeah you know it's <laughs> a, your I snapchat said look at this stupid pipe leaking get away <laughs> <laughs> well earlier we were talking to someone and they were talking about you know hey we brought on this guy who had this certification and it was all like book smarts, but he didn't know how to actually do the act of like welding in the field. You I, know, I, I learned it's this like a long time ago from a paramedic. He said, "You can sit in the the, the schoolhouse all day until you're in the field, till you've been beat, right. till you've been cut, till you've been bruised, you've you've you know been slapped. You in have the zero face. experience you until have you've experienced that book it. Doesn't do anything but give you just a little bit of education. Yep. I, I mean, I've I've been through up, I've been through down, I've been through." Just about everything you think of. 
until you've actually been in that negative 50 weather, until you've been in that 120 degree weather. I mean, everything that you can think of, unless you've been there and done it, you don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And, and it's the thing that, that you send these guys to these schools, and, and I'm not trying to bring any engineer down or whatever. You know, they're smarter than I am. But I promise you in that field, when, when shit goes away, I'll be the guy that'll be the one that saves the day on the, you know, when I'm like, hey, that's a leaking pot, you know, you're not checking your PSI, like, what, what the hell are you doing? And all these youngsters are just like, well, my my phone didn't say nothing, I downloaded the app, and I'm like, screw that app, dude. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> scaring me right now, man. No, so there's something to me. say for technology, but actual field experience is priceless. It is, right? it is, it is, it's, uh, and I tell every one of the young guys, and we call them green hats. Uh, green know, hats? Green hats. Green hats. So green they were, hats. A, okay. you know, okay. a, a hard hat that's green. Green hats, yeah. Anytime that you get the opportunity to get around an old man that's, you know, got 10-plus years in the field, listen. Listen to what he's been through. Is that all it takes to be an old man is 10-plus years? Well, I'm just saying in the old field, you know. No, that's no, that's okay. You maybe can more than down. 10 maybe, years. Maybe, maybe 10. I don't know. <laughs> maybe more than more 10 More than years. six months and most of these guys that come up but, here. Because like comes but, up here thinking they're going to make a million dollars and then they end up losing a hand and then, you know, then they're on unemployment. Yeah. Right. No because they didn't listen. Yeah. I no, have all my fingers and I've been throwing chains and slips for 18 years. I would say anyone who's worked in the field for any number of years doing anything, anyone coming on, it's like, don't put your pride in the way of your education to learn from people who have actual experience because there's people that come on with bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and there's guys who work in the oil field who have no college education and they are the most technically experienced people you will ever meet. And so it's like there's some definitely something to say for Absolutely. these guys, you Absolutely. know. Like you I can learn a, a lot from them. So a, a funny thing talking about old men. I had a dude in Denver, Colorado. He owns Helipal. Doesn't have a, a high school diploma. He's a millionaire, owns his own jet. And I, I just started getting into the business development role, uh, learning that side, you know, getting a little old, uh, me jumping on rigs and throwing hoses and, you know, chains and stuff. And he told me, he said, son, I like your attitude. You're a good guy. He said, but if you can't bedazzle with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... That's another old man trick that uh, just another... It's an old man trick and a sales trick, but you also have to know what you're talking about. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like, as a procurement person, if I know what I'm talking about and you don't know what you're talking about... Well, I mean, that's... Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You know what I tell people? All it takes to be is a... All it... uh, Blah, blah, blah. All it takes to be a genius (laughs) is blah, 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 right? We need need a sounder drop. All it takes to be a genius is no 1% more than the person sitting next to you. See, that's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> or, you know, it's it's always okay to admit that you don't know, and you will find out and report back immediately with an answer, right? Oh, like, absolutely. immediately. Yeah. Like, don't bullshit a bullshitter. <laughs> well, you just gotta but you find out, you just say, hey, I'm not sure what the answer is to that, but I'm going to go find out, and I will let you know immediately. Can I peel your sticker off my calf now? No. So D over here has been a walking billboard for me. His his oh, his, a white joke. <laughs> his legs are 
uh, have lacked a little bit of sun for a little while, so they're very brilliant in their um, color. And then, like, his calves are uh, stupendous. So he's been a walking billboard for a sticker, a TeamForbes.com sticker. I noticed you're trying to become the new gnome in the oil patch, getting people taking pictures of your face all over the place. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I got a picture texting me earlier, some girl that went into Starbucks and put her Starbucks around the can koozie. So <laughs> apparently it works outside of beer. And get a beer and, and yeah, a, I mean, it's mm. just, you know, an iconic and thing. You're killing it. <laughs> it's and it's a, on my it's, calf. It's ridiculous. And, fun. And, incredi- it's fun. and incredible it's all at the same time. It's and fun, and it's, it's, yeah, it is ridiculous. It's redunculous. It it's is. Ridiculous. And it Which th- makes me think of a ridiculous donkey. And I haven't even donkey. told the story. I haven't even told the story about how the whole, like, Team Forbes sticker of my face came about, but we'll talk about that on, at another time. Okay. We, well, whatever we got. We got plenty of time. <laughs> well, hey, guys, I, I do want to thank you all so much for coming out here to the Pipeliners. Hey, uh, by the way, where, where are you at? Where were you at in North Dakota? We never talked about that. Just real quick. Oh, uh, I started in Watford, and uh, then I moved to Williston, and then like our continental fracks were anywhere from Newtown, okay. Dickinson, Kildare, uh, around that area. Uh, I think we did a little in South Dakota. Not much. I think we did one Poseidon there. A little bit in the Tyler, I suppose. Yeah, in that, yeah, just I, a cap. It wasn't it. much. Yeah. Uh, we were doing some containments down there. So, did how long were you in North Dakota then? Almost five and a half years. Okay, all right. I just wanted to check out. We got. It was know, almost like a prison sentence. Oh no, North Dakota is a tough. I just said it. I just said it with an accent. You did. You said North Dakota. North You've Dakota. You've been hanging out with me too long, girl. North Dakota. Okay, I need to hold hang on. Out in Colorado. North oh, don't accent. you know? Hold on. North <laughs> Dakota. About? Is a treacherous environment in the wintertime to work. I mean, I remember one time I was there and I was looking for a bunch of stainless fittings that a vendor sent, and I told them, send it here to this one location, and, and it ended up in five different locations. It went to my fab shop, it went to a drilling rig, it went to a saltwater disposal facility, and so I was out there and it was negative 15 and blowing snow. And I was so angry because was it, it makes it, you angry. No, it makes me angry because, yes. and then, you know, so I'm just like, I'll be in the truck like <laughs> where it's warm. No, but then I went to the vendor I'm and right I here. said, you, you come out here and you find this That's stuff exactly because right. this is inappropriate <laughs> for me to have to go look for this stuff when I told you exactly where you need to deliver it. But it also gave me a huge appreciation for the men and women in our industry who work out in that basin because it is treacherous. Oh, yeah. It is treacherous. I mean, and I was only out there for maybe 30 minutes, but I can't imagine day after day after day after day just being out there, and then there's just, like, little trash cans with fires, and that's the only warmth that they have to just warm up for 10 minutes, and then it's like, go back to work. Could you imagine, though, if if in a school... In all seriousness, so when I when I went and toured my first rig ever, mm-hmm. and what you're 50 feet up in the air and you got to put it on there. Oh, so you're talking about your casing coming down in. Casing, thank you. Okay, I've had a little bit too much myself. <laughs> oh, Chardonnay, huh? So well, <laughs> maybe had a few what of it, huh? I mean, it's very <laughs> refreshing. Don't when, like hate on the Chardonnay. When I first <laughs> went there and I saw them putting those. So when I saw them 50 feet up in the air, mm-hmm. and all I could think of was the blowing wind and the cold and everything else like that. Going, that's what they should be showing kids on how their light switches turn on. Yeah. To be like, could you imagine if schools actually said, well, this is going to be interesting. If schools actually showed that, 
instead of all the other stuff to just to just no, to they talk about big oil big That's oil what I mean. instead of yeah, showing the smokestacks yeah. all the time but it's like look at the the people who actually place. work outside to bring energy to our homes what they have to go through to to get that energy tell you how many swampers that that's worked with me that I've literally said get in the truck because their eyelids were frozen. Like you could just see the yeah. crystals, the frost uh, yeah, on their and face. I'm like, Dude, get in the truck. Like stop. Like no, no, I'm good, D. I'm good, D. I'm like no, you're not. Get in the truck and thaw out. You don't know what frostbite yeah, means, yeah. but because we'll, your finger will pop off at, in a, a second. A single, yeah. At a point, yeah. you don't feel nothing. No, that's what I mean. And I've, I've been there. I've been there. You know, helping out building dikes and stuff that I've like. Like, man, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, I, I've had a supervisor come to me and be like, D, get in the truck. Like, you're purple. Yeah, it's... it's. And then another... We did a story about how um, when North Dakota it was the sixth coldest winter, I think it was 2016. I was there. On record. And <laughs> I was there. I was there. I was there, too. <laughs> what put what it in perspective about. for me was that I interviewed truckers... That trucks, their diesel trucks were gelling up and stalling oh, yeah. on the interstate. Yeah. That's how cold it was. No, we would have to sit there and regen on a high rate so our RPMs would kick up on our trucks so we could just keep it hot enough to go because we didn't have a uh, uh, one of those hot uh, plug-in things you yeah, know, under the, it. the plugs. So we would just keep it on the highest regen level we could so it just hopefully not. That would marvel me, though. Like, okay, an engine is pretty hot. Like, you can cook eggs on an engine normally, okay? It's yeah. pretty hot. And the engine's next to all the stuff in your car. And that didn't even keep it warm enough. i seen in North Dakota a couple Kenworths and Peterbilts that ran for about three and a half months and never turned off. Even when the mechanics worked on them, they did not turn them off. I have friends that when the winter starts, their diesel's on. And then at the end of the winter, their diesel turns off. But if it's in their driveway, out in the parking lot, at Walmart, wherever it is, they just keep it running all winter long because <laughs> play the numbers. It's much easier that way. Yeah, absolutely. I had a uh, boss one time uh, when I first went to North Dakota. He said uh, work had gotten slow for a little bit and we were water hauling. And he said, hey, uh, D, you want to get a few extra hours? I said, yeah, sure. What, what do you need, boss? He said, we need to start filling the trucks up, get them full of diesel. Because, I mean, they same thing, just running all night, all day long until we caught, we caught another job. I said, all right, boss. So, I mean, I just got a pair of britches, boots, threw a jacket on because the truck's been running. So, I'm literally walking out of the man camp to the truck. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, I get to the gas station at Watford, and he calls me and says, hey, we got a job. Dude, I don't have any FR clothing. I don't have none of my winter gear on. But I can't be a sissy. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, all right, all right, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll go do it. So I'm going to this drilling rig, and I'm sucking all this water off of. And boss shows up, and he's like, Jesus, D, what are you wearing? I said, man, this is all I had, dude. And I was freezing, freezing, freezing. He goes, D, if that truck went down, you could die. <laughs> I go, what do you mean I could die? He goes, it takes 30 minutes in this cold weather for your body to shut down. I said, there's 200 gallons of diesel in that truck that I can set on fire. So <laughs> you can pick me up or the fire department can pick me up. Which one you want, cowboy? <laughs> it's got to get done. It's got to get it's done. It's all about choices. I ain't, I ain't losing this fat kid. Not today, sir. Not today. <laughs> you had a little little insulation. Yeah. Well, for 30 minutes, supposedly. <laughs> right. 
All right, what's the website again? Uh, Alpha, shoot, hold on, let me, yeah, alphaindustrial.com. All right, see, Pop Quiz is here at the Crude Life. Uh, yeah. Ah. D, what's your real name? Dylan. Dylan? Yes, ma'am. Nobody can pronounce Mihar. that. Dylan. Nobody can pronounce Dylan. They call me Dylan. Dylan. But oh. I've been D since like second grade. What's your email address? D at alphaindustrial.com. And your phone number? 940-867-2655. All right. We'll be back, folks. Later. Well, she's domesticated, knows how to use a map and group. and becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is by the Moody River Band. She wants to live a life and happiness non-stop Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't... I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or 
uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 the, in, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lots went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. This is Sean Forbes. Welcome back to The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Morning show. Morning show. I have Jason Spies as my co-host today. We have Derek Clark. Clark. Epic Side Solutions out of Odessa, Thank you for Texas. having us here today. Of course. And you know what? I want to say thank you for making the trip down from North Dakota. And Colorado. And Colorado. Shout out to CO. To uh, West Texas, it's dirty, it's windy, it's oil-filled, and you know what? It's heaven for the rest of us. And we We've had four different seasons this morning already. <laughs> Amen to the that. The only thing we didn't have, I guess, was snow, but we did have we did have some pretty cold mornings, yes, uh, and, then it, and then it was very nice. Sean Forbes has gone through three different colors here. I went from wearing a jacket to tank top to sexy, sophisticated, sunburned. nothing. Just kidding. <laughs> well, it got kidding. hot around 3 o'clock. I saw it. I was it a witness. Very sunburned. So. I have a sunburn, which I'm so excited about. I actually, because I think we're all sunburned. Yeah. Actually, if you look at us, we are all a little red. We are sunburned, and now we're all, at least two of the three, are wearing uh, hooded sweatshirts or some sort of clothing. You've got the sophisticated jacket on. I'm very hairy, so I've got a built-in but insulation over thank here. Thank you for so inviting us down here. The Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners. First of all, just a quick 30-second-a-minute version of what that is so we are a nonprofit organization we are uh, we've got branches all over Texas Oklahoma we're widespread but our goal is to raise funds for scholarship kids in the stem and trade schools STEM. So, yeah big push and stem coming up hey, well you know what it's that next set of oil and yeah. gas that we're here to support um, there's a lot of talent in the world who might not be able to support support themselves through college stem is actually really helping the two-year oh, yeah. schools reinvent their identity identity well, identification we about it on your previous mm -hmm. one jason where it was uh trade schools were making a big push right yep, yep. so at my generation i'm 30 right we were told go to college you want to be successful four-year degree four-year degree exactly. yep and uh i call bs on it because <laughs> Same. Bullshit degree. Yeah, hey, I'm not allowed to say that on here. I call bullshit, right? I've got a BS, so I call bullshit with it. So well, it's like learn a trade. Well, that a uh, uh, sought-after, skilled trade. Right, and so I'm, I'm an 
big advocate for trade schools. Plumbers, electricians, welders, pipe fitters, journeymen. Uh, HVAC. HVAC. People who keep the world actually running, right? People like me facilitate the deal, and then those people actually make shit happen. Right. So I'm nothing without them. And so, anyway, that's the whole premise behind our organization. Raise funds, create a unique networking opportunity, and... Um, Man, we host a lot of events like this where we can get people out and enjoy their time, meet people, and uh, you know, create relationships. That's what it's all about. It's a great networking event today. We had how many vendors here today cooking? Did you guys have a total count today? So we had over 250 show up. Uh, we had, what, 19 or 20 cooking teams. Uh, Operator-wise, we had 21 operators, 22 operators show up from different operators from upstream to midstream. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was a you know, very successful first-time cook-off event for us. Who won? Oh, that one. Uh, so we had a winner in the ribs, the chicken. Oh, multiple. Yeah, we had multiple. So check back on my LinkedIn, Derek Clark, Epic Site Solutions. I'm going to post the winners off the top of my head. I would be lying to you if I said I remembered everybody's name right now. I heard people come in and say, oh, I got second place in this, and I got you know, third place in this, but... I don't know the exact results, but yeah, check out Derek's profile for the exact yes, results. I will be posting them up because... Uh, How do you spell your name so people can find your LinkedIn profile? I spell it like an oil, Derek. Ironically, I was built for this area. It's D-E-R-R-I-C-K. That's really funny, actually. I never and put Clark that together. Is Clark, C-L-A-R-K. So yes, built, built for oil field. Mom and Dad had a plan for me years ago. I never knew I would end up here, but they did, I guess. Were you actually named after an old Derek? I was not. Okay, I was going to say, that would be just what unbelievable. I for a living, if anybody asked, yes, I was. Wait, what do you mean you were built for this industry? I do think I was built for the oil field. You know, it's a, uh, it's a unique industry, right? Um, all of us sitting here can attest to that, but work hard, play hard, right? That's the crude life motto, I believe. So it holds true in the Permian Basin. I've been out here almost seven years, and I've met some phenomenal people. I, uh, I, I've worked very hard. I've played very hard. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a ride. Married? Uh, I got married three months ago. Three Congratulations. Oh, yeah. I waited. I'm 30. I, uh, I found I, I found the right one finally. She that gonna put up with you? Yeah. Well, she pulled me out of a wild lifestyle, being a Permian Basin sales. Centered guy. you? Yes. Nice. Absolutely centered me, and I'll be the first to admit that. So apparently, uh, there's a lot of break-ins in the parking lot right now. We have a parking <laughs> lot crisis right now. Cars just going. Excuse off. the parking lot background noise, <laughs> but you know what? We play hard. Like I, I said. was gonna say. <laughs> Asalama, we're out here, man. We're There's partying. a few people working hard out there right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a great day. I've, I've really enjoyed it. The weather was great. We're a little sunburnt, which is yeah. nice, right? No, Did you have a favorite meal, by the way? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I'm a large guy, right? So I eat quite a bit. It's hard, uh, hard not to have a favorite. But my buddy Preston over at Midland Safety, he had uh, a smoked macaroni and cheese dish with brisket that I've Ooh. never had before Ooh. and I'll Yum. tell you what he had uh, jalapenos onions and barbecue sauce in there 
That was pretty top notch. I would say that was probably one of my favorites. So it was a side dish? It was. Technically a side technically dish. Technically a side dish. Yeah. And there was a category for side dishes? There was. Well, we had a specialty category. Yes, okay. ma'am. And he didn't win. I was very upset. Oh, what? The Bodine Balls must have won. <laughs> uh, actually, they did. The Bodine Balls were... We're I was gonna good. say those were the great idea. The, the presentation was just, it was a finger food, oh, it was or great. not finger food, palm food because it was big enough like a baseball. Oh, it was delicious. No, it was a. Uh, we had some really great food out here. Yeah, it smelled so good all day. And little Frackleberry Hound was just sniffing around all say, day. I want to say thank you real quick while we got the time for y'all to come out here. This was a. Um, great event y'all been supporting us from day one with it for weeks and weeks we've been talking about this event with mr jason here and, i've been promoting uh, it because i feel like it's such an important event not only for the scholarship fund that you all do but as far as the permian basin folks getting together and having events outside you know texas right. is opening up it's we're ready to get outside and start mingling again and, and you know for the record we were safe there was uh i guess some very social distancing safe. <laughs> very safe no we're all outside. You know, we're outside it was all good we did it safely right we uh we followed all the protocols needed but i agree with you michonne i think everybody was ready to um get back out there hang out with each other shake some hands um but no it was uh great to have y'all come all the way down here from colorado and from north dakota i don't know how long of a drive that is but i know it's not right down the road so it takes a little while yeah i mean you know luckily there's oklahoma city and tulsa along the way right and right. I, don't, I don't know if you knew this but kansas even has oil and gas activity i you know honestly i've never ventured out to the yeah. midwest but i that's good to know a little bit so you know there's a few stops along the way and, and i appreciate the invite and everything and um what uh what's next for you guys uh the permian basin association of pipeliners you guys have another event are you going to get active with any sort of uh advocacy you know just talk about what's next after this event what are you guys doing so we're always pushing to support oil and gas right as you are that's why we want to align with you and uh continue our relationship it's important to uh you know get that voice out there let people know what we're doing right and uh but yes no we've got a golf tournament coming up, a clay shoot coming up. A when, are the, team. when are those? Do you have dates in mind? So I don't have the firm dates. We're, I know. Uh, pop quizzing them. Come on. Now. I know. She's putting me on the spot here. <laughs> June will be our uh, our golf tournament, our our second quarter event. Okay. Third quarter will be our, uh, let's see, third quarter event will be. The team roping event will be third quarter. So, no, each quarter we do a big event like this. Yeah. So our goal is to do four major events every year, along with our Christmas party, and then we'll do, um, you know, monthly meetings. Well, I'll be sure to uh, advertise these events on ogdirectory.com. If you <laughs> click on events, I advertise all oil and gas events. So we will make across sure. Across the U.S. So, so if you don't keep know an eye about Sean, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> wizard. <laughs> wizard in the sales world i'm a sales guy i've been for a long time 
I'll never claim I've learned everything because you can always learn, and I, I I learned a lot from her today. I'm no salesperson. I'm a purchasing guy. Right, and that's why <laughs> us salespeople need to learn from her, right? That's who we sell to. We're not good unless anybody purchases. So, yep. it's a different perspective. Make sure you follow her page. Thank Make you. Sure. And go ahead and tell us on your page. How can we get in, in touch with you? Oh, teamforbes.com is my blog. It's called Hello Sales tips from procurement so if you're in oil and gas sales and you're wondering why am i not doing well i might have some tips for you so check out my blog and i'll give you some advice on maybe a different uh, approach to things perspective Um, perspective different perspective right so sean at teamforbes.com or if you are an oil and gas service company and you want buyers to find you create a profile on uh, the OG directory uh, .com. so you can reach me at Sean at OG directory.com um, but more importantly Derek uh, what company do you work for so I uh, I'm fortunate enough I am self-employed at the moment I, I work for um, multiple companies I'm primarily in the equipment industry right so anything you need sales for, equipment uh, sales what equi- type of equipment equipment rentals okay so um, I'm heavy in midstream I deal with a lot of pipeline a lot of facility contractors commercial contractors heavy civil anything that requires any type of machinery from a small light tower to a hundred ton crane you can make one phone call and I got you covered in the Permian Basin. That sounds great, but specifically, what types of equipment? Oh, I could, well, the list is on and on. We've got skid steers, forklifts, man lifts, dozers, excavators, front end loaders, air compressors, generators, lights. Probably easier to say what you don't do. Yeah, I was going to say, really? No, any surface. We we don't fix fishing poles. Right. Actually, you probably do because fishing is a whole different medium. I always tell companies, and this is maybe a public service announcement right here, but, you know, let's talk about, like, not what, oh, like, we we are a customer service-driven company, and we pride ourselves on meeting our customer names, but tell me exactly what you do. Surface rentals, and I set it up this way. I come from the equipment rental industry. I've worked You work for Blue Line? I did. I did. I and you know my, my buddy Mark Lester. Mark Lester, shout out to Lester. Um, he, <laughs> he was the United lot. Rentals yes. guy, and now yes. he's with Ahern Phenomenal Rentals. Mentor, I learned a, I learned a wealth of knowledge from him. He uh, he understands the business and how it gets done. Right. He knows how to deal with customers. Yes. And also the business side. Exactly. No, he was a great mentor. I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of great mentors in my career with him, but he was definitely one of them. And, um, but yeah, so, I mean, more specifically surface rentals. And I set it up this way because I've worked with project managers for years. I wanted to create a simple model to get your equipment, right? One phone call, one person. I take care of what you need and... That's it. I mean, that's the whole baseline. That's my whole sales approach. Simplicity. Everything else is complicated. Let's let's simplify what we can. One-stop shop, and if you can't do it, you'll probably find someone who can. And I can tell that's you, the thing. I can tell you this yeah. much. In the Permian Basin, if, if, if I don't supply it, I know a guy. Right. Or, or a gal, and... I will, yes, exactly. That's what I found about those people that do like 60 to 70% of the stuff. They're like, just give me a call and we'll get it. Sean, go ahead. You, you, no, I was going to say, I, I love <laughs> what Derek just said. Derek said, 
if I can't help you, I will send you to someone who can. And exactly. those are the people that I value the most in this industry because I, I need help, right? Right. And if I can rely on you for help, then I'm going to go to you every, every single time. Because well, you're not always about yourself. You're about, like, helping no. people and about what we all need. Well, what I've learned in my career is... Uh, what do you want to call it? Maybe you call it karma. Call it whatever you want. But what goes around comes around. Help whoever you can. And at some point, you will need help. I don't care who you are and what you do. We can always use an extra hand in whatever we do. And, um, you know, creating that network of help is what it's all about. It all comes around. Exactly. So, no. Well, I would go a step further. with it, And I would say that what I found in my life is that... Customer service actually becomes a very important commodity. Oh yes. That a lot of people do not give credit for because everybody does it, right? So everybody's got a customer service. But you know what? Who actually has good customer service? People do customer Who's service, good but it's not sales? right. I right. Love the, I love the way Michon phrased it. It's and I hate to say this for all my salespeople, but it's fluff. We all have top-notch customer service. We all have this. We all have that, right? All it's the puff, same no stuff. Hey, there you go. It's all the same pitch, right? You bet. At, the, at the end of the day, who's going to answer their phone? Who's going to be there? Who's going to answer yeah. it at 9 o'clock at night whenever you have a new frack job that just popped up and you've got to load some equipment up by 6 a.m., right? I need that pipe delivered right now. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and especially in the oil field, we have unique hours. Everything is last minute. Seven. Everything yes. is last minute because it takes a long time on the operator side to get a budget approved and once that budget is approved it's like okay go time like everyone go and so you have these suppliers and vendors on standby and now it's just like we need to go 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 and it's not any fault of our own it's just the nature of our industry right so everyone has to be ready to go hurry up and wait right hurry up and wait and hurry up and go Uh, yes exactly (laughs) right you're always uh you're waiting for the call but then when you get the call it's, it's yeah. like your a, ass is on fire. Well, they Go. Did it yesterday, <laughs> it's yeah. like a yes. forty-yard dash. Yeah. I'm out the gate, and we're moving ass, and we're getting shit done. That's you better I, do it I right, really, and you better do it quick. <laughs> I truly believe that customer service in the oil patch is going to be such a huge commodity going in the next couple of years because as we enter in this gig economy that we're going into, just the other night on DoorDash, okay, which is just like Uber Eats and all the other ones, we didn't get a couple entrees delivered, okay, but we paid for it. We paid the tip, we paid everything else, but at the end of the day, we had to go down and pick it up. So the whole idea behind us getting rid of takeout to have delivery, it didn't happen. Right. And when we called to try to figure out what happened, nobody would take accountability for it. So what I saw really quickly over the last couple of years, and this is just one of many examples, it just seems like those people that will rise up and be accountable, that's becoming a really, like, critical yes. commodity going into the new oil and gas world because... It's always been critical. Anybody can check the boxes, <laughs> but who the F, yes. who the heck, who the whatever can get out there, like you said, at 2 a.m., 9 p.m., after hours... Because not everybody is Fred Flintstone sliding down the tail at five o'clock when the when the whistle blows. Exactly. You know. So honestly, I, I do think that is going to be a uh, commodity. Oil and gas companies do sought after. So good for you for focusing on the long term play of customer service. Well, and 
Yeah, I mean, that's just... I truly true. mean that. I do. I'm just passionate about that. Sorry. No, I appreciate it, man. You know, I come from a world where I started my uh, customer service career working in restaurants. Oh, then you understand when it. Oh, was, if you've I, been a server, you I understand... Was, I was 16. I was a server since <laughs> a I was lot. all through college, you know. And I, I wanted to pass a law that said everybody who's going to be involved tables. in the economy yes. should wait tables for at least a month. 100%. Or cook. And yes. that's where I... Uh, but it is, right? So it all falls in the same token. And accountability is huge. Absolutely. There's so many people who uh, have the claim to fame, right? But who can say, you know what? And it's not even your fault. As a sales representative, most of the time when things go wrong, it's not your fault. But you have to put your hand up and say, we're responsible. Right. Did we promise something? Yes. Did we over-exaggerate? Right. Exactly. How are we accountable for what the problem is? And I'll tell you, any tip for any new sales rep in the game that I can give you as somebody who's done it for six years, when things go wrong, that's not a bad thing. That's your opportunity to show them how you respond to that. And by simply saying, we messed up, my company, who I might not have had anything to do with the fault, but I am that's the tough. one who you called. That's hard. I have to answer that phone call, right? And I've had several bad phone calls. I'll be honest, right? Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've had my ass chewed out. Oh, man. I, I have I'm, a blog post called Excuses, Excuses. Right. And it talks about exactly what you're saying here about, like, you know, you're my sales rep. You're my account manager. You're my champion. Right. For managing the type of service that you're offering to my company. So, like, when you say something goes wrong, don't make excuses. Don't say, well, so-and-so messed up or so-and-so didn't show up on time. Right. You just say, we screwed up, but this is how we're going to fix it. And absolutely. You come, you come forward with a solution and you, exactly. get, you just get it done. But, I mean, everyone knows that things happen. Right. And I think so, it's a skill set to learn because early in my career, I, I didn't want to feel like I was at fault because sometimes it wasn't my fault, right? But I had to accept as... But you can't... I, you have to just say, hey. Yes. We did this. Well, I was the guy who came to you and said, my company's going to take care of you. And when they didn't, I'm the guy who has to right. come to you and say, you know what? We didn't take care of you. And that's on us. I'm going to take that ass shoeing. And this is but what we're going to do to fix it. At the end of the day, I I prepare to have a solution for this problem because that's all you care about at the end of the day. Just got to get it done. Exactly. So, Derek, Derek, how can people connect with you? Um, you know, I'm... We talked about LinkedIn. So, yeah, Derek... I was going to say LinkedIn. I'm, I'm all over it. What's your uh, phone number? My phone number is 832-436-8898. That is a Houston area code. That's where I'm from, but I am in the Permian Basin. That's my home base. That's where I live, and that's where I operate. So, uh, are you are you tied to just the Permian Basin, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. That is where I do, you know, the bulk of my business. Yeah. It is. I mean, I I've got contacts all over, really, the state of Texas, right? So, I can help out somebody anywhere. But where I operate, where I'm truly valuable is the Permian Basin. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, you're not trying to stretch yourself too thin no, to say, yeah, I can go but anywhere, know, but this you know, is my core strength right here is this if, area. If I can connect, and I'm a huge LinkedIn advocate, um, and I know y'all are too as well. You know, we use it. All of us right here use it daily. So um, I've got a wide network. I'll help wherever I can, but if I can really be valuable to you, it's probably going to be in the Permian Basin. What's your email address? 
So I'll give you the company one. It's Derek, my uh, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, at Epic Site Solutions. And uh, you can find me LinkedIn, Facebook, phone. I mean, call me, text me, email me, whatever. He'll help you with your uh, equipment rentals. I'll help you with with whatever you need because you know what my philosophy is? I probably know a guy or girl who can help you with your problem. So that's the goal, right? Just... I don't have to know everything. I just have to know everyone. Right. And that's that's the way I look at it. Now, if I know Derek, he's a networking champion and helps champion. everyone. I like that. That's very. I, I'll yeah, take that. You're a networking champion, and we all we all should be. Right. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, the oil field is a family, and we all help each other. Right. And get where we need to get. And if you're not networking, I recommend you start today. And I'm going to issue a challenge to you folks right now, and I appreciate you inviting Sean and I down here to be a part of this. And you know that I'm an MC of the Bakken Barbecue, and there's rumblings right now with some of the West Texas girls here that they're going to go up to the Bakken and have a table and bring the Texas flavor up to the Bakken barbecue to try I, to win the trophy as to as to start a traveling trophy if you will okay I feel like a he- healthy competition I didn't know that but you know what so you start Are getting you the, the team together and I will make sure personally if I gotta write the check myself well, you guys we, represent. You we will represent. make sure that there is one or two Texas Permian Eagleford booths up in the Bach and Barbecue this year, because not only are we adding a vegetarian offer this year. Okay. Can you okay. believe that? At a barbecue, we're gonna offer. We're, we're working with RDO. They supply potatoes to. Uh, yeah, they supply potatoes to McDonald's. So we're saying, dude, can you give us like a sack of potatoes so we can offer some baked potatoes to the to the hippie freaks like me and and they're like absolutely it took three years for me to get this by the committee i finally got it by this year we're gonna do it so we're gonna offer some barbecue uh uh baked potatoes for the vegetarians but i'm trying to get colorado i'm trying to get the texas i'm even gonna try to get the marcellus represented at the Bakken barbecue this year and if we got to be the united nations of shell play usa we'll be the freaking united nations of shell play usa hey you know what i'll tell you this much i haven't been to north dakota but give me an excuse to pack up the truck and my dogs and we'll take a trip it's summertime you don't need an excuse it's god's country during the winter it's devil's country (laughs) if you want to go to north dakota you go in the summertime you know what no offense to north dakota but i I, I love my Texas barbecue. Do you I, like to fish? I, I like to do whatever gets me outside. There's some good fishing in North Dakota in oh, the North summertime. Oh, God's country. I agree oh, with yeah. that. All right, we got to pack up. The Texas Twister's coming, folks. Yeah. Game on, North Dakota. The Texas barbecue's coming. Back and barbecue. The gauntlet has been thrown. Sean Forbes, say goodbye. Peace out.
Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, Check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to GAM.AI. That's Great American Mining, GAM.AI. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by Blackwater Environmental. Is a family-owned company with over 10 years of on-site industrial experience. Offering inspections, consulting, coding failure analysis, specification writing and coding application services, along with many other services for energy, oil, gas, and municipalities. Blackwater Environmental was started in Moorcraft, Wyoming, but has grown to a larger facility in Gillette, Wyoming, where they provide a better quality of service for their customers. For more information on Blackwater Environmental, check out their website, blackwaterenviro.com. That's blackwaterenviro.com. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Uh, this is Caleb Amick. I am not representing the press today. I'm just representing myself. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, it's important to point out, I guess you're not representing the Dickinson press, even though you do write for them. But we do have a lot of journalists on. We have a lot of correspondents, a lot of different uh, news bloggers and et cetera. So I appreciate you coming on to kind of preview some stories and some things that are happening out in western North Dakota in the Bakken. And we're going to talk about the salt spill that happened out in western North Dakota. So thank you for joining us today. And my guess is you're probably a little bit of aware of that salt spill, huh? Uh, yeah, I went to, a, yeah, it came out of a session in, uh, at DSU out of a class that I went to for work. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that. What, what was your experiences? What'd you take away from it? Anything you're going to be, you know, uh, putting together for a story? Well, the story's already together, but I just want to know more. I want to see, hear the other side of the story. Uh, the attorney Fenton Dooley said that he alleges in his report that the state has, neglected uh, reclaiming land 
in certain areas of North Dakota, leading to leach, the leaching of salt water, which contaminates the land. And he alleges that this has been going on for 70 years. And this is uh, come into the the legislative session or the Dickinson D- Dickinson State. He's going around the state. I guess talk to me a little bit about how you came introduced to this. Uh, my editor sent me received a tip from Fit and Dooley. Fit and Dooley sent it, sent something in to us and to K KYX, I believe, and uh, the TV station and or something like that, mm-hmm. and. Just kind of was like, hey, we're doing a thing. At, we're going around the state talking about this, and we're stopping at DSU, so if you want to come. And so I went. What type of reception was there? Uh, Dickinson is primarily oil and gas. Um, you know, there's it's on 94, so you got a little diversity of industry. But uh, what kind of reception was was given, and uh, do you know who brought him in? Was it the Dickinson State who brought him in? Was it a private? You know, did Fit and Dooley pay for it himself? Do you know any of that information? I know him and and the uh, president of DSU know each other, and I know that he was brought in for Toby Stroh's Professor Toby Stroh's uh, reclamation class. He knows Toby. Okay, so he's like a guest speaker for the class to talk about. A reclamation-related issue. What was his issue with reclamation? That it's the salt water, or that the operators aren't uh, the salt water. Okay, the salt water. And but but isn't that part of the reclamation or no? Uh, the salt water is what contaminates and what uh, damages the ground. Is what is alleged to have damaged the ground. Who was there from the state? No one was there from the state yet. They they okay, they went to the capital of Bismarck, and they talked to before a couple commissions and stuff like that, and and then they just kind of were doing a tour, talking about it, trying to get people to start asking questions and things like that to kind of prod people. They want to kind of try to avoid litigation if possible, but they said if it continues and the state doesn't do anything, then they may pursue litigation. Are they representing anybody? Uh, well, Donnie Nelson is one of the people he's representing. He, uh, there's a few other people, few other farmers in North Dakota from all over North Dakota. Particularly, he talked a lot about Botano County. Okay. And I have a picture. They uh, Donnie Nelson handed me a report. This packet when I got there, and I kid you not, on the back of that packet is an aerial picture of stretch of land a field that has just been that just looks like it's been shaved almost or just looks like it's been eaten away hmm. and a site of an abandoned oil of an oil well that wasn't properly plugged and was that the one from 2014 i have no idea i don't have the packet with me right now okay well there there, there was a spill for 1.6 million gallons back six seven years ago and um, I know that that gets that image gets used a lot, and because it's you know it's it's awesome, it's incredible, it's it's you know it's picture a thousand words type thing. So, so nobody from the industrial commission was there. Uh, did he did he mention any sort of uh, interactions he's having with the industrial commission? I mean, is this is he just kind of uh, 
circling the wagons, or has he talked with anybody with the state? He is an attorney, so my guess is he's probably doing his proper due diligence and has his ducks in a row. Certainly, yeah. I have. Uh, he's got several quotes from the oil and gas division. He's got, I think, in this packet. I found the packet. He has got a couple quotes from them. He's got a scientific study in here about salt contamination. He's got uh, some commission letters where they wrote to the Industrial Commission in 2013 to Jack, uh, which Jack Dalrymple, the former governor, was the chair of. Uh, they have a letter here from the Industrial Commission of North Dakota dating December 31st, 2013. And uh, things like that. So he, and it's signed by Carlene Fine. So yeah, he's been talking to the uh, NDIC. Anybody, have you, did you, no, you guys did a story, right? Yep. Okay. Did you do the story or did someone else? I did. You did the story. Okay. Now, I'm not going to be, you know, I, I was a former editor and a publisher, so I, I apologize if, it, if I act like I'm, you know, nitpicking or anything like that. I'm just going to ask some questions here. Uh, did you call anybody from the state, uh, land management, uh, industrial commission, anything along those lines for the story? Yeah, I tried, but I kept getting answering machines. And did anybody, nobody responded back, I imagine? Nope. Yeah, we're having the same luck with our, when we try to do our news sources uh, with, uh, with the state, we don't get anything back either. Or, you know, we found too, anybody who's got a contract with the state, they don't want to talk either. Yeah, and some of the oil companies don't want to talk either. Like, I was going to do a tour of McGridian's new quote-unquote green field just to take pictures and talk to them about what they're up to lately and things like that. And I've called numerous times and have only got, I've gotten the same voicemail. Hello, no calls. Go ahead. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, sometimes it's hard for me to fault private companies. Private companies are, you know, they're, it's, 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 it's a kind of a, they don't have to, you know, the government, there's actually people paid. There's actually tax dollars that go to specific people to talk to reporters and talk to the media and talk to the press. That's their full-time job. They don't, right. they, they don't have any other job. That's their job. So when I hear from multiple news sources of multiple industries of multiple sides that the state of North Dakota is just ghosting and blowing off reporters everywhere except for a certain couple that they know will report whatever they say, it Kind of pisses me off a little bit. What? The, how about Lynn Helms? Is he? Is his his people coming back? I mean, this has got to be on him a little bit too, right? Um, he knows Lynn Helms. He's talked about him. Uh, Fenton talked about him. He has written Mr. Helms. He has a letter at the beginning of this. It says, "Dear Commissioner Mr. Helms," and he specifies all the ne- the needs and things like that. And he sent it to uh, Mr. Helms. So yes, he does have. Helms is—he does give Helms some of the responsibility for this. Do we know if there's any? Um, did the so dueling? Did the Dickinson State pay for him to come? Did they comp his room? Did they charge him? Do, do we know anything like that? I mean, I have no idea. I don't okay. think so. Okay, yeah, that's kind of getting into the details a little bit, but you know, some of that stuff, you know, if it's long format. Uh, t- type of a uh, timeline that stuff can actually be kind of important you know devils in the details if you will because sometimes i know when i speak they charge me 
So, I mean, if, if other people are getting access and things like that, that's state, once again, picking winners and losers, who they decide can and who they can't. And if this guy's a buddy of the president of the Dickinson State, well, that's just flat-out grafting. There was a movie called uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which is all about the government using access as currency. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit sensitive to that. Uh, okay, so Bureau of Land Management hasn't commented back, and this guy's directly going at them, right? I believe so, but he specifically addresses, a lot of the time he addresses the NDIC. North Dakota Industrial Commission. Because the whole his whole thesis is this, that North Dakota's laws, if, if enforced, would require oil companies to do a full reclamation of the land and to make sure that those holes are properly plugged and so on. Well, I guess and, I didn't realize they weren't doing that. And he, well, he's alleging that they're not, they're not doing it properly. Okay. And that, that even after they do it, quote unquote, that they just do the topsoil or just do one layer and don't do the full job. There's still salt water leaching out. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't heard of this, to be honest. Um, I, I've seen this pop up, and I, I know the New York Times did a story you know, back in 14 or 15, and it popped up in there, and it's come up from time to time, but uh, this is the first time I've heard of any sort of activist group or any sort of, you know, organized effort, if you will, for this type of uh, uh, issue, I guess it would be. Uh, Doug Goring, uh, D- Governor Burgum, and um, who's the other one? Who's the other guy that sits on the Industrial Commission? Wayne Stengem, Wayne Stengem. So we got the Attorney General, uh, North Dakota Industrial uh, Ag, Ag Commissioner, and then the Governor. That, that makes up the Industrial Commission. It's the three-headed monster. Did any of them respond back, or are they a part of this? Or uh, They weren't a part of the story yet. I, I was just reporting the event and just reporting what was in the yeah. packet and just reporting what I recorded at the event. Okay. Presentation. But I'm thinking of doing a little bit more of an investigative piece, just kind of asking for a little bit more information. That, that's got to be hard for you, huh, to be a reporter when you want to be a journalist or vice versa, you know, because you know, people don't understand is that a reporter, that's a specific job. You're there just to report. You know, you're not there to do too much else, and, and you, you can only do the best you can in a certain amount of time and this and that. And my background is magazine journalism, so we had time and layers, and, you know, you, we had to, pr- you know, prove a point and keep people's interests and all this other stuff. So um, I bet that gets a little bit frustrating at times. It did for me anyways on, on the opposite side where I wanted to be in the reporter game to try to get involved with that because it happens all the time and you get to be part of the action Whereas, you know, when you start getting into that long format stuff, you just, it's not the same. So anyway, I don't know if I made any sense to you or not there, but. Yeah. So, okay, man. Uh, did Dooley, did you talk to him at all? Dooley, the, 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 he's the actual guy involved with the sort of uh, the, the, the public, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't call him and interview him, but I asked some questions at the event and things like that. And I have a recording of him, of his lecture and stuff like that. Did anybody show up? Yeah, it was a full class. People showed up as part of the class, and the uh, DSU president showed up for a little bit. And yeah, it was it was pretty full. It was a small room, so but it was pretty full. Oh, he was a speaker at the class. 
Yeah. He he was pretty much the teacher for the day. Oh. I thought it was like uh, you know, uh, you know the colleges will bring in a speaker and that sort of stuff or some cultural thing or you know, campus politics or whatever it is. So, okay. Um was it was it well recepted? Was there anybody you know angry or given you know shooting dagger eyes or did he get you know people clap or anything like that or? I mean, he was he made pretty clear that he wasn't anti oil. He was just anti doing it irresponsibly and not plugging up what you not taking care of business. That's what he was against. Mm-hmm. And so he made that pretty clear. He said there are companies that very much do it right. He very much praised Marathon Oil for doing a thorough job reclaiming land and making sure that farmers are taken care of and things like that. And so, I mean, I think that put a lot of people at ease and a lot of the people are um, just grew up on farms and haven't really messed with, well, at least from what I could tell. So, so if I'm hearing you right, I guess one of the, one of the issues is that they're alleging that the state is not, enforcing the operators to do enough or have enough information supplied to satisfy a certain party. And secondly, um, this, what's his name? Fit and Dooley. What's fit, yeah. fit and Dooley um, is, is alleging that there's, there's like some secondary uh, spilling going on that, that is leaching into the water. So is that right? Is kind of a two prong approach, better, recording by the state and also there's currently a problem with leaching is that am i hearing this right yeah um and about the cleanup and stuff he says quote there is little or no data recorded by the commission on the average cost of cleanup of those same spills due to lack of data on remediation costs those costs ought to be declared under oath by a qualified third party engaged to oversee each well closure so he's alleging that there's little to no data even about the cost of cleaning up we just know it's expensive and he kind of alleged that that's being used as kind of an excuse to not do a thorough job was there anybody from oil and gas companies representing not there no it was just his talk his presentation okay interesting wow well more to come on that yeah i'd like to i'd like to stay on that a little bit um Keep keep focused. So, uh, any any uh, other stories you got to preview? Anything else that you might be working on or that you've recently done? Uh, I just recently did a story about a town, a small town of about two hundred and fifty, maybe, uh, possibly plugging into a water tower. Really? Yeah. Where at? Uh, Taylor. Taylor may be plugging into a water tower, but they're still in the proposal stage, and. Uh, it uh, it's kind of up in the air right now. They're just kind of seeing what all their options are. But yeah, they were discussing that and some of the legal ramifications of that. Do they have a well now? I guess where do they get water from now? I forgot, but I know that they are planning on doing. They're planning on getting a. If they do get, if they do decide to hook up to the water water tower, and that's a big if, then they'll run like a valve or something like that down into the city limits and use that. I see that. So they've already got a municipal water system. It's just putting in a tower for backup or just whatever, just for additional water supply. 
And if they did decide to do it, once again, that's an if, um, they would be sharing it with like four or five other towns. Um, and the report from the engineers said they may have to expand it by 15% should Taylor decide to join. Is the Western Area Water Supply involved? Uh, it is Southwest Water Authority. Southwest Water Authority? Okay. Yeah. Are they going to then turn around and sell water to the oil companies? I have no idea. It wasn't about oil. That, that, that story particularly wasn't about oil. Okay. No, I know, but that's, that's actually what some cities have been doing is selling uh, water to oil companies and competing with the private water companies. So that's just something keep in mind that's, uh, that it's happening out there, that these uh, cities are putting in municipal water systems because the numbers work so they can go get business from the oil companies. And then what happens is, is that the mom and pop shops that have water companies, they, they get put out of business because you can't compete with the government. Government will put you out of business all day long. What, are you going to outspend the government? Good luck. So, yeah, keep, keep an eye on that stuff. Yeah, nobody talks about that. They don't talk about that at all. But the people losing their businesses do. Absolutely. In fact, down in Texas here where I'm at, we're doing the interview right now. You're in Dickinson. I'm down in Midland, Texas. Uh, people with water, water rights down here, actually, some of them stopped farming because they were getting more money selling their water rights to the oil companies. So the oil companies will come in, put a pump in. The farmer will just kind of, all of a sudden, he's in the water business now. Instead of going through all the risk of planting crops and overseeing them and keeping beetles and and, and flies away and all that other stuff and going through the whole thing. Dude, there's nine to five water business now. Hire a couple employees and be done. So keep yeah, keep an eye on that if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, water rights in North Dakota, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, and in, in fact, they might not care out there. So maybe it's, maybe it's no story. It was a few years ago. There was a lot of people that were really upset about uh, Southwest Water and the Western Area Water Supply coming in and just monopolizing it. And because it's a, it's a government entity at the end of the day, but it's appointed and there's really no real oversight over them, so they can kind of do whatever they want. There's kind of an appointed board and appointed executives and et cetera, so it's one of those gray, shadowy, you never hear about them, but they have so much power companies. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, yeah, anyways, but I better shut up, otherwise I might get a horse head in my bed. So, okay, um, Good stuff, man. So how can people uh, get in touch with you? And uh, Are you social media? Do you do that with your stuff? Uh, not yet, but I'm, I'm thinking of doing that just so that way people can reach out to me or what, or anything like that. But if they have any tips or story, idea or story ideas within the southwest North Dakota area, within, say, Stark County is probably my limit, Stark, or maybe even Hedinger County, they can reach me at my email, which is uh, all lowercase C-A-M-I-C-K at thedickinsonpress.com. They can reach me there. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Yeah.
music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Today, we talk with Trisha Curtis with Petro Nerds. I'm actually third generation oil and gas, so technically my, you know, my uh, grandfather was pumped oil wells um, mostly around Wyoming, and my, my dad also pumped oil wells around Wyoming and Southwest Colorado, and I sort of straddled the border of Colorado and Wyoming growing up, and it, I guess it was sort of in my blood, but then I went to school uh, in Denver at, at Regis University for my undergrad and did doubled in politics and economics, and then I went to London School of Economics, and I was always with economics and international relations and politics. I was always really interested in oil because uh, it just didn't fit uh, nicely with supply and demand, and it moved. Um, I mean, prices moved and supply moved, and and so I was super fascinated about it, and kind of knew I wanted to work into it uh, or work work with it and studied Russia and China and things like that and was always interested in the, in the oil side and then uh, got out of grad school and just um, was sure I wanted to work in work with an energy and particularly with an oil if I could and it was just a really tough time with a recession and, and it was 2010 and very high unemployment very hard to get a job so I, I ended up uh, buying one-way ticket to DC and uh, cold calling a bunch of energy organizations till I found the nonprofit that I ended up with which was called the Energy Policy Research Foundation. And that's really where 
I was very fortunate to, to learn a ton and cut my teeth on everything, sort of the U.S. unconventional oil boom was just happening, everything shale, the Bakken, um, and the oil sands and pipelines, and sort of was able to really uh, self-teach myself a lot of stuff and, and uh, you know, figure out that I was good at presenting and, and speak with a lot of folks, and just, uh, it was a huge blessing in terms of, of being able to just learn an immense amount about the industry and find out that I was uh, extremely passionate about it. And that was Trisha Curtis, the CEO of Petro Nerds. To check out the full-length interview and other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.